This is Michael from Theme Park Brothers, and I would like to invite you to check out our YouTube channel. At Theme Park Brothers, we take you with us as we visit the Disney Parks, Universal Orlando, SeaWorld, Busch Gardens, and many other theme parks around the country. This summer, we took our viewers with us as we visited Canada for the first time. It brings us joy to share our experiences in hopes that it will inspire you and your family to get out and enjoy the parks. Our videos share our experiences in different ways. Some are walkthroughs with ambient sounds. In other episodes, we dive deep and have discussion. There is sure to be something for you at Theme Park Brothers. Head over and hit that subscribe button. Catch you on the flippity flop. Hello, welcome to the Dub D Dub Review, and I'm your host Chris Malik, and I'm joined by my co-host Stacy Nyman. Stacy, how are you? I'm hanging in there. How are you? Well, I'm doing better than hanging in there. What is hanging I in know, there? Well, what is hanging in there? Know, me? Pete, Pete's not here, so I don't have any way to compete with to how I can be doing so awesome. So I figured I'd just be kind of meh tonight, you yeah, know. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Sorry, Peter. You dragged me in. All right. All right. So we got a really we got an interesting show today. Something we've not discussed before in 225 episodes. But we think it's going to be useful and fun for a lot of our listeners and I don't know if it's been all that talked about by other podcasts. But before we do, Stacy, hit me up with it. What do you got good in your life? All right, so this week I am taking the plunge. It was supposed to happen last week, but it didn't. Um, and I am going to get my first and second tattoos. Uh-oh. So I know. This Uh-oh. is like I've I've been wanting to do this since I was 16. Screaming and eagle on the back? Kind of, no. No, what was that? Screaming eagle on the back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no. So um, – I've, you know, just been kind of putting it off and thinking about it and, oh, I don't want to do it. I do want to do it. So uh, I figured after I had finished Dopey, I would, that's going to be my time. So um, my brother's actually a tattoo artist. So I have an appointment with him for Wednesday to get a couple of tattoos. And they're, one of them is very Disney related. The other one is loosely Disney related. And that's kind of all I'm going to say about it. But um, I think I'm going to have Scott do some video and post it to the Edcott group. So nice. if you want to see me scream and well, hopefully I won't be <laughs> screaming, that would be awful. Um, if you want to see me squirm with uncomfortableness um, and probably some awkwardness and some um, fun banter back and forth, you should maybe tune in it Wednesday would, or Thursday. It, it wouldn't be you if it wasn't awkward. That's for sure. I know. I'm, and I'm, we're not going to do live because I have no control over that camera. So it's going to have to be video snippets. And then I will choose the ones that I want to use. Nice. So I'm excited for you. Okay. So we'll, yeah. we'll reveal more in Edcott later on. So, yes. So it's now little, both co-hosts have teaser. tattoos here and, and Chris does it. So you're going to put pressure on me now. So yeah, you have to get a big, Big dubs, big Edcott on your <laughs> lower back. Just, um, I want to get some news of my own before we get into our guest. If that's yeah, okay, yeah, please do. So, in the middle of March, we found smoking airfare. So we are going to actually take a really quick weekend away, and we're going to go to Walt Disney World, and uh, that's going to be towards the middle of the month. And of course, because it's me. We literally have no fast passes set up, no dining reservations, no agenda. I'll worry about that about 36 hours or 24 hours prior to the trip. So, um, and, and, and to be honest, this actually causes me a little bit of stress because I've got so many, we've got so many friends in Florida now. Seeing them all is like daunting because I know I'm mm-hmm. going to run short on time here because this weekend is like Saturday, quick Sunday there and then Monday back. So if I don't see anybody, somebody, I am not avoiding anybody. I apologize. I want to see you all. I have no plans. You guys know me. This is all at the last moment. So, um, but I'm hoping to run into as many people as possible in uh, in March. So, excited. Perfect. That's yeah. really exciting. All right. Let's get into the show because I want to introduce our guest today. So, Stacy, 
as we set this up for people, when you go to Florida and you drive under that welcome sign, the thought occurs to me every time, and I don't know if it occurs to you. Okay, I'm in Florida. I love it. I love the warmth, the sunshine, the palm trees. What would it be like to live in Florida? Like, like, how could I make this work? I mean, does that occur to you every time you're down there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even when we're just driving through this street, not even getting into Walt Disney World, but just kind of like, oh, if I lived here, this could be my grocery store or this, I would, you know, this Wawa over here could be the Wawa that I go to for my pretzels and red velvet hot Cheetos donuts, you know? Okay. Yes. So what stops you from doing that? What, 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 what are are like the circumstances that stop you? Not personally, but like a person, what would stop them? The lack of information, the lack of ability to transfer job, not knowing what the real estate market is. Yeah, I think that those, yeah, those are all big things. I think sometimes it's your kids where they are in life and where they are in, in their terms of their schooling. Um, it can be money, money problems, saving up money, um, maybe family living in the area. Okay. Not wanting to leave behind any parents and and such. So okay, well, there's different people that travel to Florida at different stages of your life. So, what, who our guest is today? I want to introduce her briefly, and then I'm going to take the microphone back out of her hand. Is Suzanne Swires, and Suzanne works for Berkshire Hathaway Results Realty. Suzanne, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Casey. No, no, <laughs> you got it. No, no problem. Um, Suzanne, are you a broker or a realtor for Berkshire Hathaway? I'm a realtor slash real estate agent. I work for a broker. Okay, so you're a real estate agent. So the reason why we have you on is many times people get to this point where they're like, okay, I'd like to live in Florida. Okay, is that as a vacationer who rents for three or four months like a snowbird? Would that be relocation? Would that be oh, I want to own an investment property. And all these questions go through people's minds. And sometimes it's like paralysis by overanalysis. So we needed, we needed an expert. And you and I have talked in the past. I, yes. gave, I gave you some parameters. Hey, I'm looking for a condominium or a house. So I figured instead of Chris spouting, Stacy spouting, let's bring an expert on in the Orlando real estate vacation market, right? Yes, sounds good. Thank you very much. No problem. You weren't always a Floridian, though, correct? You were a northerner just like us, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we were from originally Orchard Park, New York. Okay. And uh, moved here with my family, my husband and my three kids who were teenagers at the time. And that was in the year 2000. Orchard Park, that's, that's, that's where the Buffalo Bills play, right? Correct. Yes. Okay, so you're no stranger like the six-feet snowdrifts, as we see on TV when... Uh, when when the Buffalo Bills play in December, exactly. Okay, so <laughs> they, they actually clear a lot of that snow. There's even more on the ground when we were there, so um, you just kind of get used to it and deal with it until we're ready to move to Florida. Okay, well that's my next question: is why Florida? But yeah, Buffalo is literally on the eastern end of 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 one of the Great Lakes, and this, the the winds just howl. <laughs> this lake effect snow is insane in Buffalo. It's but crazy. Why, yes, it is. Why Florida? Why did you decide that? Um, well, it actually kind of started as a plan that my husband and his family had about bringing a business down here that we had owned. It was a printing business. I'm saying was because we no longer have that business. Long story. Okay. Um, but our oldest daughter, um, after traveling, of course, when the kids were young, since they were babies, traveling to Florida every year or um, twice a year, we usually came during Easter and maybe in the fall if we could do twice a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she decided at that point when she graduated high school, she was thinking she'd like to come down and work in a marine biology type field and maybe work at SeaWorld. And of course, all the things that we ever had planned that would go along with this didn't actually happen, but it turned out great anyway. So we actually waited till she was 18, finished high school. Um, My son was a junior in high school and our daughter was 11 when we decided to move down. And we actually had the business opened here for a while and uh, moved down and then it just you know, long story of how the business didn't didn't last or you know continue into fruition but we all knew that we all wanted to be here we wanted to be away from the cold away from the winter um you know in better weather for you know health reasons too everybody loved the idea of living close by disney close by the beaches and so forth so that's kind of how it evolved and and happened and 
you know, there's quite a bit more to the story, but that's kind of the gist of, of why and how we decided on Florida. You know what? The warm weather part, that is what's drawing mm-hmm. me to Florida. We, there, there, are, there are obviously pros and cons in any move. Even if you're moving three minutes from your house to another house, there's there's, there's tons of pros and cons. But right. that, that draw of warm weather. Stacy, what was the weather in Marathon Weekend when you were just down there? What was like the, the, the temperature? It was beautiful. It was... Um... It, it was like in the 60s for a, like the beginning of the trip and then it moved well then the marathon day was 88 or something like that oh something crazy like that yeah. but um otherwise it was it was just beautiful I was looking at um I was facetiming my daughter Britta while she was here and I could see my father-in-law in the background with his winter coat on and I was going what why is he wearing a winter coat because <laughs> I couldn't remember that it was even January because it's just it was just so beautiful now, that's not to say that Florida doesn't get winter. And in fact, in the last week or so, they've had temperatures in like the high 30s and low 40s. Yeah, we, we were cold. I tell everybody that's moving down, don't get rid of all your winter clothes and coats because you do need them for about maybe 10, 10 to 15 days total. But it's sporadic at best. You know, today I'm even wearing long pants and I had to wear socks with shoes. I, I don't really like socks. <laughs> Um, and then I, I tell everybody I've got basically the same. I've got, um, you know, for work or for casual, I've got shorts, I've got the capri knee length, and then I go all the way to ankles if I have to. I've got long pants. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's the key with Florida winters is mm-hmm. it might be cold, but if you can bear with it for a day or two, there's a realistic chance it gets back up into the high 70s or even nice. low 80s. And, and yeah. like winter was gone. <laughs> so, yeah, but definitely in, nice. In Buffalo or Chicago, it, winter descends. Ooh, when is it, Stacy? About about October first, and it stays. Yeah, to, sometimes. Yeah, right until about May first, and it, it seems yep. to be the season of winter. So yeah, that's correct. That sounds about right. We had a pool when we lived in New York, and we would leave it on until probably as long into October as we could because we had a heater. Okay, and um, then we would turn it on usually around the first of May because we had a heater. But it, it was still cold. But we were determined. You know, you're going to use it. Enjoy it absolutely. <laughs> So let me ask you this then. So where did you, did you relocate from Buffalo to where you live right now in Florida in the same general Um, area or where where did you move to? Well, central Florida is the same general area overall. But when we first moved down, um, the story with that went that we had, my husband had already been here working with the business and he lived in an apartment near Hunter's Creek and our business was near the Florida mall. Okay. And we had planned to um, move to Oviedo, which is north up by university, because we thought the kids were going to go to university there. And we ended up actually, just because of the way things were in the real estate market, you know, finally had gotten our house took a long time to sell because it was winter. And like I said, they had to chip the ice off the pool and everything. Um, so we ended up um, thinking we were going to rent a townhouse. And instead, we ended up buying a house that was available at the time, you know, um, that was August of 2000. And that was up by Universal Studios. Um, that's called Dr. Phillips Orlando. So um, when we lived there, you know, the kids had all started school, our daughter ended up going to community college, which was good. Um, timing didn't quite work out from school graduating in June to starting college, they wanted her to start summer um, summer sessions for UCF and that started in May and she hadn't finished school yet so hmm. um, so we were up there by Universal Studios and interestingly enough at one point from there when I first came down I worked for a school in the area I wasn't in real estate then and um, I worked for a local school and that was interesting as was receptionist and I worked part-time at Disney I started working at the boardwalk resort Okay, And my daughter ended up working at what was then, I guess they called it MGM Studios back then, but she worked at the candy store there on Hollywood Strip. And our son worked at Universal. My younger daughter ended up working at Saratoga Springs. So that was interesting, too. Wow. Yeah. We had our Disney film. My husband did not. He ended up working for a printing company after our printing company had closed. Okay. So you you mentioned Dr. Phillips. That's located by Windermere. And actually, you know what, and we'll talk about this later on, but Dr. Phillips always seems to come up in some of the searches as mm-hmm. having some of the better schools, if not the best schools in the Orlando area. The Dr. Phillips High School is always well-rated. Am I thinking of that correctly? That's true. That's correct. That's how we ended up settling there, because it would have been either for us at the time, Seminole County would have been Oviedo Schools mm-hmm. or Winter Springs. That didn't work out when we were ready to make the move, and we ended up doing the community and Dr. Phillips um, 
The school's typically been an A-rated school. They've since opened another high school, and they're actually opening another high school almost on Disney property, right on Apopka Island, if you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not too far from what's called Crossroads in Disney Springs. Gotcha. It's going to okay. be a new high school there. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I was going to ask you about your Disney connection. Was that, when you were moving... What part did that fuel as far as, okay, Florida is where we want to go? I know you said marine biology in the warmer weather, but you could have thought that out and still gone to Mississippi or Alabama or even Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But why did why Florida specifically? I mean, it, was it definitely because you knew there was a Disney connection in your life or not really? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, we definitely did because part of it was like the plan with the business was trying to work with some of that business for our company. Okay. Um and like I said, that's a long story, too, of how all the research and everything that went into trying to, trying to run a business and how to pull that off and so forth. But, you know, knowing going into it that we would all end up, you know, probably being able to go to Disney when we wanted it. At one point when we first moved down, we had passes to all the parks. It was much more affordable for annual passes for us and, you know, um, all of the lifestyle that went with it, no state income taxes and so forth. We never given any consideration to some people pick North Carolina some people pick Texas or wherever, like you said, we just considered Florida because it's more of like what felt like second home to us when we go on vacation. Gotcha. That's hard, too, for me and my business to make sure families understand the difference in the connection between I'm on vacation and I live in Florida and I have to do all my adulting and life work. You know, at the same time, I'm very close to Disney doing it. So, yeah, yeah for sure. It, it makes it difficult because you're not on vacation. You're you're doing life, you know. Many of our friends live in the Walt Disney World area. Our third host, who is not with us today, his name is Peter. And Peter was mm-hmm. a Chicagoan, and it was uh, roughly two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, Peter relocated down to Florida. And, and so he's been down there, and that was the eye-opening situation for him was he always dreamed about going to Florida. I don't want to put words in the big guy's mouth, but now you're that's your nine to five now you're dealing right. with i4 now you're dealing right. with you know you're, you're dealing with with publics not because you want to deal with public it's because you, you you have the grocery shop you need to go to the dmv you need to go and pay your bills right so right. that's one of the things people have a hard time you know kind of equating okay vacation life doesn't mean saratoga springs every day vacation life is okay i need to go pick up the mail i need to go get milk i need to go to take the kids to school so yeah um okay so if you don't mind i'd like to just ask you a few questions about the process mm-hmm. about about buying sure. it. and, and stacy please jump in because uh you know i'll i'll be all over it but my first <laughs> my first question is essentially for for renting if you were wanting to move down let's say you were in the position where you were a snowbird and you wanted to rent now there are apartments all around the Orlando area and all around the Walt Disney World area. So is there like, if you went to San Francisco, you're like, okay, one bedroom apartments, two grand, $2,500, $3,000. The further out from Disney you go, is it safe to say the less expensive it would get? Or is Disney like the center of where the apartments would cost the most? Or is it Windermere? Or, or where would be like, like, like the most affordable options as a snowbird if you still want to stay close? You understand my question kind of in that way? Yep. Okay. I do. So um, the story is going to be basically how it goes is like this. There's only certain areas that are considered um, approved or available, legally available for short-term rental. That would be anything less than seven months or anything less than 12 months. So if you're coming as a snowbird just for January, February, March, you'd have to stay in those typical traditional short-term rental areas, which are... It kind of makes a triangular shape just south of Disney. If you looked at a clock and did maybe 7 o'clock, you would have Kissimmee, okay. you would have Davenport, you would have Claremont south of the state park, kind of in a triangular shape like that along 27 and 192. That would be where you would find all of, not, not really apartments, but condos, vacation homes, townhouses, Windsor Hills for one, you know, Linfields for another. They're all, all of them like that. And you can stay there anywhere from three nights to you know, three or four months. It gets pricey. Um, they can range anywhere from maybe 100 to $200 a night. On the flip side of that, if you're going to rent for a longer period, like the seven to 12 months, then you can go into Windermere or Winter Garden or Dr. Phillips. And of course, people do Airbnb at their homes. You see it advertised all the time. I kind of kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck because it's not legally done in all places. And everyone involved in the group could have liability. I don't want to go there. But the owners 
are taking on a risk because of a lot of different things that they may be doing and the people who are renting, you know, could be at risk too, mainly like insurance and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, unless they're zoned to be short term rentals. So that said, you can, you can come and you can rent um, and stay for a short period of time. There might be a little bit in Winter Haven. Um, that's a little farther out as well. Um, but we have a lot of people who do that. And then I've gotten calls from them too. One, one couple in particular told me, you know what, we spend $16,000 every year coming there, and we could have owned a house by now after 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And so sure enough, they did find their way to buy themselves a small little house that they could use as their own. Um, and we'll talk about that as we go. I don't want to get ahead of you with, cause I know you have, you know, set up a questions too. So, that, but that, I hope that answered the question on where and how to, yeah. how to find for sure. And, and that's a great point. So that's kind of why I'm bringing this conversation up is people might have thought to themselves, I just cannot afford that vacation home. And, you know, one of the points I make is I'm going to make is even when I was a real estate agent is, you need to take a critical look at your own finances and you mm-hmm. need to talk to somebody and really do a careful analysis of your spending. Meaning, you know, I know in theory, everyone thinks I could afford $1,200 a month, $1,500 a month. I, can you really afford that? But mm-hmm. like when you go to Disney, the average trip, if you're going for seven or 10 days to Disney, you, your your hotel costs alone are $3,000 or more. So mm-hmm. that, that that step might not be as far as you think it is, especially when you consider if you are, and, and I don't own a vacation home, but if you're a Florida resident or if you have real estate, would you be eligible for the Florida, you know, the, 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 the discount as far as a, a Florida resident discount? Or do you have to declare a certain time period in Florida to get that Florida resident discount? So from what I understand of the way the annual passes work for the parks here um, overall is you you own a home in Florida. You're just, you know, whatever you're showing them that shows you've got a deed to property here. Mm-hmm. So if you own it, you're considered, you know, a resident for Disney purposes and, you know, Universal and SeaWorld, as far as I know, that you get an annual pass. You don't have to live here full time. You know, I've got a lot of friends and neighbors and relatives that are snowbirds, and they all have annual passes of resident annual pass. Yes. Because Unfortunately, I can tell you, I'm. we've been here long enough. I don't want to sound a little jaded, but when we came in 2000, and we also were here the year of 2000, um, of September 11, mm-hmm. that was a very interesting year when we were here because a lot of people from the world weren't coming here and they were really doing what they could to get the residents to come there. So we had really, really reduced passes and kind of got spoiled with that. Um, but they're, they're pretty high right now. Like I'm paying probably close to a thousand dollars. So I know that doesn't sound like much compared to what you have to pay if you're coming just for a week or, you know, 10 days or, um, whatever type of pass, but that's pretty high for resident passes that have typically been maybe five to six hundred. Sure, sure, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, in renting, typically, what's included in a rent in a, in a unit like that? Is is heat included? I know they they differ. I imagine most rental buildings have a pool, so you know, unlike here where like Stacy, like literally homes and like it's like five percent down there. It's got to be at least 75% of the buildings and homes have pools. Is that number high? Maybe it's high. Right. Well, and that's kind of an anomaly because keep in mind, we're talking about the possibility of a short-term rental vacation home or condo compared to an actual residence. Everyone thinks that every home in Florida has a pool yeah. when, in fact, every home doesn't really have a pool because anything new doesn't come with one. It costs about $50,000 to get one. People don't have the money. And I tell everybody if they went to all that trouble to get a pool in their yard, they're not selling their house or it comes at a premium. But yeah. the short-term rentals, like I said, Windsor Hills and all these different um, places up and down off 27, uh, Weston Hills. And I'm going to show some tomorrow. I've got a lady coming in from out of town to look at um, some homes like that with me. Almost all have a pool, even if they're a townhouse and if they're a condo, which would be like an apartment stack up. There's a community pool. One of the favorites is Windsor Hills. They've got a beautiful community pool there. Um, there's water slides. There's a whole uh, arcade system in their in their complex. And um, basically, if you go to stay there on vacation and you rent it for whatever the 150 or 200 a night, you basically get to use all those amenities. It's all included. They even have to provide you cable, Wi-Fi. I think the only thing that they um, charge an additional fee when you're staying there as a rental is if you want heat for your pool. For some reason, pool heat is expensive. They've got to run the gas or the electric for six or eight hours, so they usually charge $50 a day for that. Mm. But 
on the flip side, if you are someone who's considering to purchase one of these on the real estate end of things, all those things come into play if you're buying it to use it as a short-term rental. All those fees and costs and everything come into play as far as your um, costs uh, every month and your income potential every month. Okay. So let me segue from there. Let's go into if you wanted to purchase a home as, you know, I could say as a vacation investment. So Mm -hmm. I want to buy a home as a vacation investment. I think obviously the old adage in real estate is location, location, location. Mm -hmm. So, but not everyone's location is the same. Like surprisingly, Stacey, if you asked me, Chris, how close do you want to be to Disney? I'd be like 45 minutes. And Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, well, I, I don't really want to live in the tourist corridor. I don't want to deal with the traffic of I-4. I would love to live further away and still have the ability to get there within 45 minutes or an hour. Well, the good news is in Florida, like literally 45 minutes or an hour, that's – I don't want to speak out of turn, Suzanne, but like that might be the entire width of the state. Um, slightly more, obviously, if you were by Tampa. So 45 minutes. Pretty much. You're pretty close. I think you can get from Tampa to Daytona in about an hour and a half. Yeah, so it's pretty close that you could still be, <laughs> so, you know, 45 coast minutes. Coast to coast. Um, how important are schools when you're looking for a vacation property, not because you need it, but because of the resale value? Is that a consideration? Well, the pro- that's kind of a thing. I'm going to say the problem is that's kind of a thing that we have a lot of conversations about because especially uh, where Davenport and Polk County, Claremont Lake County, and Osceola, those are not places where the counties, the schools go by counties here not local, you know, like little town, you know, school. Um, They go by the county. And overall, they don't tend to put the schools in where the vacation rentals are, you know, for one instance. But it's trans. there's a lot of homes that are transitioning because as these vacation rental homes are aging, um, you know, 10, 15 years old, the owners of those rental homes may have been from, for example, a lot of them are from the UK or Canada Mm -hmm. um, and they are retiring and getting out of that business. Maybe they can't travel themselves anymore and, you know, come around now the house needs new carpet or it might need a new roof. They're starting to sell them. Well, those homes are affordable. I feel affordable. They would be considered affordable by uh, central Florida standards on price wise. Um, For families that are buying and looking for a three or four bedroom pool home, you can get them for somewhere in the low to mid 200s. But at the same time, the trade off all I hear is from families is what about the schools? And, you know, Chris, it's hard to comment about the schools because we can't tell someone the schools are good here and your child will be fine and then find out that something bad happened to their child. Yeah, yeah. And um, we don't want to be liable, responsible. Schools can change and so forth. But um, that makes it a little bit more difficult. But then pulling out. Um, from the short-term rental areas to the more residential areas, and you'll see a big difference and a shift in like what the county does with schools. And a lot of it has to do with the taxes. If the homes are lower priced, the taxes aren't um, as as high, so there's not as much resources to put into the schools in some areas over others. Makes makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. For vacation investment, if the home had a pool, obviously that's going to be an increase, but is it worth the extra hassle and headache? I guess you couldn't even probably give that a straight answer. I keep on thinking, okay, if there was a home that was 210, it was a three-bedroom home, and it was 210, it was in nice shape, or there was 240 and it had the in-ground pool. I'm like, ooh, that's by the pool. But now I've acquired the issue with the lanai getting shredded from every hurricane, and now I deal with the, the pool liner getting cracked. But would I see that value? Is that important to me as a vacation investor to buy a home with a pool? Do those homes get rented quicker than without? Right, definitely. Because for some reason, like I said, people are on vacation and they come to expect a home to have a pool in the yard, private pool. And it even it even escalates from that factor to especially people coming from other countries from the north where it's cold. They also want the pool to face west or south because it has more sun. Oh, so those yes. homes, yeah. if, they, if you look at it, there's like a lot to this. If you if you look at the listing for that home for rent, it'll tell you specifically that it's a south-facing pool with no neighbors overlooking. That means it's private in the backyard as opposed to it backs-to-back with another house where you can hand the you know suntan oil from one, one mm. lanai to the other. So no neighbors overlooking as a plus, and they get more money for that. Of course, it costs more money to buy it, but you get more money from that when you rent it. But almost every home that is a short-term rental has a pool. Okay. 
So I actually contacted um, a financial advisor, and I was discussing the issue with him, and he says, you know, you're going to want to contact Allstate or State Farm or whoever you have, because one of the things you have to realize, and I'm hoping his information was correct, and I know you're not an insurance agent, is you'll need to buy flood insurance or hurricane insurance on pretty much any property you have in Florida. It's almost a requirement. Is that the case, in fact, that hurricane or flood insurance is required? Um, no, it's not required, but you also probably don't want to contact State Farm or Allstate because they technically don't make their own insurance policies in Florida anymore. Okay. They pretty much left the state after the hurricanes of 05, 04, and 05. Okay. They, they are on the scene, but all they're really doing is selling the um, policy because they're brokers. So anybody that I've talked to that's gotten like a quote for a $250,000 home, it, it's been like $1,800 from State Farm or Allstate. No offense to them. I had them when I came here. They, we loved them in New York. But the same 1800 policy with another um, insurance carrier that I can give you a list of 20 or 30 of would be $900, like half. Oh. And you only need to have flood insurance if you're in coastal outlying areas, if you're close by a lake, if you're in low-lying areas. For example, um, we're talking about Kissimmee, uh, Davenport, Claremont. They're all high and dry up on a ridge that comes somehow or another in the science and technology, a, a ridge formed down the center of Florida where it's very hilly. It's not hilly or mountainy compared to other states, mm-hmm. but for Florida, it is hilly. So um, it's higher, high and dry, and the sandy soil, there's really very few areas at all that would require flood insurance. Over by the airport or toward the coast, that side of east is much lower. And we actually have a tab now where we're required and we have to look to see what FEMA flood zone the property is in. Um, And uh, certain ones are outside of the 100-year flood or inside of the 100-year flood. And then they do require flood insurance. And that's only if there's lending. You you don't have to have any insurance at all if you pay cash cash for the house. It would be silly not to, but... If there's lending involved, we have to know if it's in a flood zone and if they have to pay. Now, that's flooding as it relates to water rising and coming up. We also are covered under just standard hurricane insurance overall. If, say, for example, your house, you know, roof shingles fly off and water comes in that way, that's considered flooding, but that comes under hurricane coverage. Gotcha. You know, I think actually what I was asking the guy was, I was interested in a condominium. It wasn't even in the center of the state. It was on the Atlantic coast. And I can't say it had ocean views, but it was definitely closer to the water. And right. so, I'm, how, uh, you know, what floor were you on? And I think it was like the third floor. But he's like, well, you may want to consider that anyways. But uh, you, you know, that, that that's really interesting. You're not required to buy that uh, from any tra- And stay away from State Farm and Allstate because they're just brokers down there that, that like really educated me. So I appreciate Yeah, that. yeah. And if it was a condo by the coast, Chris, it would condos, condominiums actually include a main insurance for the building. Okay. If the building was destroyed in the flood, but you would need to have, uh, you know, or the, the storm surge or whatever, you would need to have your own insurance for any contents of the inside of the condo. Gotcha. Well, you, you, okay, and, and that would make sense because in in any state you're going to have that anyways, right? You're going to have homeowners insurance, you know, or mm-hmm. or, or kind of mini owners insurance anyways, too, for mm-hmm. contents and stuff. So, yep. um, Stacy, I've been on a roll. What, what what questions do you have that I that I, I I've not asked so far? This is just way out of any of my level of expertise. So I'm just sitting here soaking <laughs> this all in. Making and I'm like, I hadn't it's even all, thought all, of that. Whoa, all, I wouldn't good, have ever. No, it's just it's questions. great for somebody. Who's like, who's, who, you know, it's always, it's everybody's, you know, all Disney fans dream to move down there. So, of course, you know, we've thought about this when we retire and stuff. But like you were saying at the beginning, Chris, like, this is just such, uh, it's it's just so hard to even know where to start. So this has just been a great conversation just to kind of get some of these thoughts going in my head of what types of things to think about for the future so um i'm just soaking it up so okay Okay. well let me absolutely let me convince you that it's something that a lot of people potentially could afford and i'm not selling anything but like i've run the numbers myself so Mm -hmm. suzanne so let's just say and i'm not even including homes let's just say it was a condominium in central florida is it conceivable say 30 minutes from disney that a condominium that's two bedrooms could go for under one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. there's a few they're starting to push closer to 200 okay but i i do because i do this pretty much all day every day i could tell you that there are a few 
Okay, there are a few. And Mm -hmm. in those condominiums, they might be older buildings and pay attention to obviously the assessment. And if you've never rented a condominium before, an assessment is a monthly fee paid to the condominium association. And it includes things like, hey, you got someone's got to cut the lawn. They're going to cut the lawn for you. Someone's got to make sure those trees look good. They're going to take care of that for you. Some of them's got to maintain the pool area. They're going to take care of that for you. How about how about snow removal? Do they take care it, of snow it removal? It takes care of snow removal, snow yes. Removal. Yes, that is covered, Stacey. Um, your pool, it's got to be cleaned. There you go. Part of the association. Some of them are reasonable. Some of them are $150, $200, You get into a newer building with a lot of amenities, like the Animal Kingdom Lodge type amenities where you've got all these mm-hmm. workouts, and you're looking at like $400, $500 additional per month. So that's something to consider when you're buying a condominium. But let's just say you put down a, a – a, a, you're trying to avoid – so is the word PMI is that is that is that the mortgage insurance is that the right. per, is that from the, the mortgage mortgage speak primary mortgage insurance is there unless you put 20% down okay. but condos however do require a minimum of 20 to 25% down Okay so you've saved up for years and you've got 30 or 40,000 dollars saved up and that's your down payment and if mm-hmm. you don't you can still you can buy these properties with less than that but you got to pay a premium it's called PMI and that means essentially if you default uh, you, you're paying an extra higher fee for an insurance for the, for the mortgage company itself right so right. so but even with that if you're left with a mortgage of 120,000 dollars you figure the numbers out over 30 years, that isn't as expensive as you think it would be. And so really the number comes in your mind. Okay, so let's say that ended up being, and I'm going to be wrong, so this is not rock solid like numbers. Let's say it was 1300 a month and, okay. and your assessment was another $225 a month and maybe your taxes were another 120 You're looking at like say $1,700 a month, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. A okay. lot of people are like, I can't afford $1,700 a month. But you went on a vacation to Disney for seven or eight days, and that was almost $3,500 or four grand in a hotel. So that's like three months of a mortgage. Okay. And then you went on a vacation again at wintertime, and you maybe you didn't go to Disney, and you figure those costs out. You've paid four or five months of a mortgage, and you didn't even know you did that. And you could have went down there for you know, five months because you paid that mortgage for five months. So it's, right. it's not quite out of the realm of possibility. Yes, Shaq lives in Windermere and has a $21 million blue Spanish tiled house. I don't know if you sold that mm-hmm. one yet. Is it is that one sold yet? No, it's still for sale. I haven't gotten a listing yet, but I'm going to keep trying. Oh, is that a beast? Shaq's got this home down there that he's trying to sell, and it's got this blue Spanish tile, Stacy. It is completely like over-the-top <laughs> outrageous, and it's got like 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 19 bedrooms. It's it's crazy. Let's go in on it together, Chris. We right? can do this. Me and you will it's split. Not it's that much. like a half a mile long, like the piece of land that it sits on, you know? <laughs> And Windermere, though, I mean, Tiger Woods had a property on Windermere. I mean, if there's there's million dollar homes in Windermere, mm-hmm. and there's five hundred thousand dollar homes in Windermere, and there's three hundred thousand dollar condominiums, and there's a million dollar condominiums. And it's all about you know what you. But then you know you move to other areas further out, and those prices drop dramatically. It doesn't make it any less valid for real estate investment. As a matter of fact. That's where you target for real estate investment. It's different if you're relocating than you are for investing. Because investing, you're thinking about, okay, I got to get this rented. What's my most desirable feature? Close to the parks. Great. So I got to stay mm-hmm. close to the parks. Pool. Great. That's right. So you're thinking about things not for what you like, but what you can turn around at the maximum return for somebody. I know this is like 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 completely not a dub show, but like, yeah, you got to think about all those factors for investment. What about things like management companies? I'm not there, all right? I, I, go, I come down 30 days a year. Right. Who, who's looking after my home when I'm not there? And like, like, how does that work? So if you're buying it, like you said, if you're buying a condo as an investment property and you've, you know, you've got your down payment money and you've got your payment, the way this whole thing goes, I wrote down some notes too. And I actually just got an email today from a new guy. I think he's calling himself like, snap rentals or something you can google all these it's like disney vacation contempo villas they all call them villas um and there's actually even one of the sites facebook groups that's got a lot of these people who own their own villas personally and if you're here you can manage it if you're not here like you said you need a management company it it's kind of hard to explain but let's say 
you know, you're figured out your payment to be around 1700 a month. Let's just use your example. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, you're going to buy a two bedroom, you know, two bath condo, not a whole lot of maintenance on that though. And let's say you're going to rent it out for a hundred dollars a night. That should give you $3,000 for the month potentially. Right. But now you've got to pay the management company that you hire because they're actually marketing your home for you if you hire them that way on their websites. They've got a booking calendar. They can put the people in there. They collect all the money for you. Um, They give them the keys when they come, make sure they got in safely. Then when they're gone, you know, take care of any problems. Maybe your air conditioner breaks while they're there. Okay, all that. Then when they're gone, they clean the place for you and they collect, uh, you know, pay your electric bills. Basically, the one that's sent to me today, it specifically said you've given them limited power of attorney. Basically, they're paying your bills for you or just giving you whatever money and you pay your bills. But either way that you set it up, but they have to be allowed to make repairs with a certain amount of money. And that can run anywhere from 25 to 30 percent of that income. Hmm. Okay. So by the time you take that off, so you're thinking maybe you're taking off, like let's say you're taking off about 750 or 800 from that potential income. But that's just the fees of the management company that doesn't account the electric bill. It doesn't account for, um, they come fully furnished, by the way. I didn't say that. They typically come fully furnished. Sometimes they're vacant and you have to buy furniture, but it's fully furnished. And then they tell you, hey, you know, while the people were there, they ruined your mattress. And in order to rent it next week, we've got to get a new one. And that's going to cost you a grand. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of giving you a devil's advocate of all the bad news of how this could go down. But you also have to have a business license set up with the county because you're also paying 12%, whatever you pay for hotel motel tax. Mm-hmm. When I haven't been in a hotel in Florida recently because I travel out of town. I don't go on vacation in Florida. Um, so I don't know what that is. But whatever that tax equates to... You have to have that tax collected as well, and they hold that and send it for you. And then what's left at the end of the month to be determined from that original $3,000, that's what you get back from the management company every month. Gotcha. So it's entirely possible that if you bought that condominium, that there will be months, if you don't rent it for 30 days, which is realistic, Mm -hmm. that you don't make money that month. But ultimately, like the convincing argument for doing something like that might be, I always have a place. And let's say the motivation is I want to rent it half the time and they can take care of half my mortgage payments. I get that. I understand that. You would yeah, always- I call it like the break even point. Yeah. Like at what point am I, it's not costing me anything to go on my vacation and you're further ahead than these people that paid $16,000 to come for three months. Correct. And you, you're also building equity in the future. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, you're hoping that in two years, five years, ten years, or never, when you turn it around, the condominium's appreciated in value. It's not lost money. So that money better than sitting in a savings account. And let's hope no one's just putting their giant egg in a savings account, making zero point right. zero point zero 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 one cent. You know, in the savings account. This is actually something you could use and enjoy. You know, and. It would be it be it be yours. So that would be part of the motivation for that. What and ha- then you're again the closer you are. Like I said, the one that's in particularly lower priced at this point is called Legacy Dunes, and that's right off 192 next to Linfield. So you, you go just a little bit up 192, and you enter on the Disney property. You know the Disney roads. My brother's a bus driver um, for the past two years. I didn't realize, but he tells me that there's about 80 miles of Disney roads. So just because you've like arrived at the, um, let's say you're on I-4 and you're by that Mickey Mickey Mouse tower by the electric tower there by Celebration. Gotcha. You start there and the signs turn from being green signs to they start being purple where you see the Disney property. Yes. You can literally drive on those roads for 80 miles to get to wherever you're going in a you know swirling zigzag pattern. But Holy cow. just depending on how long does it take me to get to Magic Kingdom from Legacy Dunes. You're on Disney property in about eight minutes, but you got to drive all the way up to Magic Kingdom. It might take another 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. but you're still that close to Disney. Are, are second mortgage rates historically higher than first mortgage rates? They are. They. I, I don't really do all the mortgage stuff. I kind of stay out of that and let the professionals that I work with keep track of it. But I know enough to be dangerous and tell you that they traditionally are. So, you know, today the gal was quoting a three and a half percent interest rate, but on a on a vacation rental home, because it's considered an investment property, you might be seeing like five and a half, maybe six. 
Ah, okay. So that's something good to consider. Yeah. So, yes, correct. So interest rates come down for everybody, and everybody right now, if you know, is between two and a half to four and a half or five, or mm-hmm. ideally you would be. But yeah, so if second homes are higher than that because they carry more risk, because obviously it's more, more risk, it's more debt. Yeah, understood. Yeah, and like I said, the condos would have to be. It's a little bit sticky there too because only some condos can qualify for loans. We're still working with some of the lenders, and requirements are changing because there are some condos that it's almost impossible to finance. That has to do with delinquencies from the HOAs that aren't paid, the investors that own them. Um, you know, back during the real estate boom and bust. Uh, you know, they couldn't keep up with the payments that they were making. So we're still kind of regrouping from all of that. Gotcha. Um, But it's easier to get a loan on a house or a townhouse owned in what's called fee simple versus condominium. Do you remember that from real estate? Yes. A fee simple ownership versus condominium? Yes. So it's easier to get a loan on a townhouse or a single family home. uh, And it is still with 20% down would be considered an investor loan. And now the flip side of that too is some people purchase them as what they call a second home where we don't intend to rent it out in any way. We're just going to use it for our family. Our friends can come and stay, but we're not charging them. And those loans typically can go with 10% down. Okay. Okay. That's how a lot of people get here when they have their jobs in the north. I've got a couple of couples. I'm really proud of them, the way they came apart with this, because as push came to shove over a two- to three-year period, they may have bought their homes two years ago or maybe three. They bought it as a second home with money that they had for a down payment, with qualifying with all the expenses that they have wherever they live in New York or Illinois and with the income that they have there. Because when you move to Florida and just move here, sometimes you don't know what your income is going to be or maybe you're retiring. So these folks purchase them as second homes. And what I'm looking at with 10% down, a couple of them have started to move down. You know, two years we've owned this house up in Winter Garden and Horizon West and we're starting to move down and that's great. And it worked out for them because those homes now are costing about 40 grand or some of them 50 grand more than they paid. Boom. So some people look at it this way, like we'll purchase it as a second home because we know we'll eventually move there, but you're going to sign a paper with your mortgage that says you're not renting the home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and I There's love that possibility too. I love that phrase. I know just enough to be dangerous. That's been like my motto for my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like I know just enough to make me dangerous. Okay, so let's let's go to this this point then. So let's just say someone's fancifully looking like me. They're window shoppers, but you know, as an agent, you know, we have to. We uh, I'm not an agent anymore. But like y- y- your time's valuable because really you're an independent contractor and you're trying to help who you think is ready to buy. But there are also window shoppers. Let's say there's someone that just loves like my wife watching HGTV and can't get enough of watching HGTV, and she wants to just have things like. Okay, show me condominiums specifically within uh, – what's the best plan? Redfin, realtor, contact, an agent like yourself and get on a mailing list. What would be the best way for someone to like do that? So I, I definitely like the idea of a personal contact. I'm a very much people person and um, I tell everybody – like I participate in a lot of different Facebook groups and a couple in particular. But it's not too soon, even if you're thinking two or three years from now. It's not too soon to talk to an actual real estate professional, you know, somebody that's recommended. You can get some information from these, but we call them the third parties. You remember, too, from real estate, we had the MLS, which is our multiple listing service, and then all of the listings are now being broadcast to the third-party participants, and I hate to say it this way, but not necessarily providing the information correctly. So for, for me, the easiest thing I can say, for example, is, I put the MLS data in and I say it's $100 a month for the HOA fee, but one of the third parties might put it in as $600, but they're not saying that it's $600 for half the year or $1,200 for the whole year. So they're not giving all the information, but data fields, my point is the data fields don't line up. Mm. So the biggest sticking point that we get a lot is people think that the Um, assessment fees, the HOA fees, or the taxes, what do they include, and so forth, because the data fields don't line up. If you don't click on that the properties are active, you're not going to see that they're actually available. Um, They have a tab there for coming soon, which we're not allowed to put in there, so people see properties that are not really for sale or may have just sold. So those those sites for us, for the realtors, are um, not the best. Um, even Realtor.com, because they're basically, all they're doing is basically generating leads for the agents that pay. 
Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of stories from people. I clicked on the agent that I thought was going to give me the information, and I never heard from them, or they wanted to sell me a house that was twice as much as I'm qualified. So I feel like the personal contact to have a conversation, just like what we're doing today, I would do this with people. I've met people at Disney Springs that aren't even you know, going to buy a house for two years or maybe coming down in six months or whatever. And believe it or not, I've been doing this already for um, 19 years. But for the last five or six years, this is how I've been meeting people, talk to them, let me give you the information that you need to set you up to see what you can or cannot do and when. And lo and behold, two years later, three years later, one guy had like 686 days or something and counting when he contacted me. But because you're getting the information from somebody who's a professional in this industry and does does this all the time and not really, you know, just getting information from a random Internet source. So I feel like a personal contact is in order um, as sooner than later. And I tell everybody in all these different Facebook groups, I understand and know the last person you want to talk to is a realtor or mortgage broker. But that is the person who you're going to need to help you in the end. And I'm not pushy either. I don't, you know, like, hey, I met you. You better buy a house for me tomorrow because I'm more about the personal contact with them in, like I said, a year or two years from now. Or maybe, guess what? They got home and told their cousin that they talked to a realtor in Florida and their cousin calls me. I've got more people that are connected a lot from New Jersey, New York, Illinois, some of the particular northern traditional cold wintry states you know, kind of making mass exoduses. And as it's strange to me, too, as when I'm helping them buy homes, some of them have bought homes beside each other or next to, mm-hmm. and then that other person's cousin. So it's like setting up like little, little, like little groups of people Unclaims. all over yeah. Central Florida. And, and, and um, so could you, let, let's just say a person called you and, mm-hmm. and, even this should be said in in, in no customer service business because essentially you're in a customer service business mm-hmm. in no customer service business if if Suzanne and I'm I mean you and I are talking right now for like one of the first times but let's just mm-hmm. say you came across as pushy aggressive you know what your time's not worth it the number one thing that's going to be damning to an agent is a Yelp review a realtor review mm-hmm. you, you make your business on referrals so mm-hmm. how you treat people that determines your next sale and and there's no room in a place where any really in any city state where there's a bunch of different options it's based on customer service so yeah it it, it behooves you to you know do that can you set someone up in just like an email search okay here's your parameters yes. 175 to 210 two bedrooms this area this pool bam repopulate every tuesday could you do something like that yeah, I have it. I have it to set it up that way from our multiple listings, and I have a lot of people set up. I'm honest. I just got a call from this little guy named John. He contacted me from Nebraska from a social media group two years ago, and he says, "Hey, I think I got an offer on my house. I might finally be coming." He's been getting emails pretty much on a daily basis. You know, I guess it's probably encouraged him about moving from Nebraska. Yeah. But I hope if he's on this podcast, I hope he's he's going to be coming soon because he seemed to indicate that he was looking to get started on that but the search again the search from mls data is if you tell me this you know three bedrooms and this size and this price range and you want it in claremont it's going to only be as good as what i set it up for based on what you told me it's not unusual you know from real estate that instead they buy a two-bedroom condo in daytona beach and i can't you know i didn't set up that search you just found that you know i said that to some folks today too like as you guys are finding these homes they're not the ones that I sent you um, because I can either preview them and send them to them. But if I know that they told me that they don't want to back up to the turnpike, I didn't send them that one. But then they send it to me and say, hey, what about this? I go, oh, <laughs> can you guys look at the aerial view? Because that backs up to the yeah, turnpike. Right and the you turnpike. Said you didn't want to back up to the turnpike. So I didn't send you that one. Yeah, of course. But, you know, so it can, it can go that way too. But And they also can search on that. It's a direct feed to the MLS. So you could set up your own search. Hey, I don't think she's sending me the right thing. Maybe I want a four-bedroom and I want it in Davenport. She's only sending me Claremont. Some people send me a message and say, hey, can you open that up and send us some more? Or they can search on their own. They can save them. The beautiful thing is they can save them in their portal. They have a portal with a link to my site, and they can save them with a heart for a favorite. A light bulb is a possibility, or they can put them in the trash completely. And I can see every day that they looked at their portal 
even if they're not buying for 586 days, yeah. I can see their portal. They can put a little sticky note in there, ask questions, and I can interact with them so that they're getting information on an ongoing basis. I don't really think you can do that with the third-party sites, no. and you don't even know who you're talking to. Correct. Because it's not always the listing agent. Correct. And yeah, exactly. We had an experience with a house that we sold where the you were talking about those data fields. One of the houses mm-hmm. was our data field was 51 to 100 years old. That was a data field. It got mm-hmm. translated to 51 years old. So we actually had a problem one time when a guy came in expecting a 51-year-old house. Nope. Mm -hmm. The data field was 51 to 100 years old. It didn't get translated correctly. So now we look like we're being devious. We're not. You know, it just didn't didn't translate. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you started this off in a fanciful search and it took five minutes, but you decided this wasn't for you, that's okay. You can always just send a direct message to Suzanne saying, hey, you know what? This wasn't for me. We decided to put this off for three years, five years. And you know what? It is what it is. I, you know, that's how, that's how business works. You know, so it's okay. It's, it's okay if that happens. But you also want to have an advocate. So when you're going down there, if you're going to buy a property, if you're like me, you know what? I know, like you said, just a little bit to make myself dangerous, probably not <laughs> enough to be comfortable in a transaction. I need someone who knows the Florida market. I need someone who can answer my questions without, with with one hundred percent honesty and certainty. So, like, 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 yeah, like, like, don't be afraid to even like initiate the process and then bail out of the process or go through with it and find yourself with a really, you know, amazing vacation home. You know. Yes. So that sounds good, Suzanne. So, if someone wanted to contact you on Facebook or in one way or another, what's the best way to get a hold of you? How could they reach you? My cell phone, which I can make sure I give you, is always good. A text is good. I'm by my own name, Suzanne Swires. I have a personal Facebook account, and I can take private messages there. And I use Sunshine State Homes for Sale as my Facebook business page. It's a little hard to find because it gets kind of buried in sunshine, mm-hmm. um, but it's a link from my personal bus- my personal page. So I'm also a believer that people... Um, work with someone that they like and they can trust. And they're actually a person. I know a lot of realtors would disagree with me, but I do most of my business as my personal self. Um, And and a link that says I'm with Berkshire Hathaway, you can click to my business page. On my business page, I'll post homes for sale or interesting information about the area and so forth. That's great. Um, But I typically find people like to look at, oh, you're an actual person. You have grandchildren. You went to Paris Disneyland. You, you know, went to the beach today or you had dinner at, you know, Sweet Tomatoes or whatever. And I find that that personal effect is a lot different than just overbearing people with professional real estate skills. Mm-hmm. So it's probably the easiest just to find me on my personal <clears throat> Facebook page, which is actually public facing. I don't have, have it blocked at all. And Pretty much every day, I get anywhere from three to five different people contacting me from various places um, in Facebook messages. You know, in fact, it's been a great resource for me. Um, my broker trains everybody go out and meet three or four or five new people every day. I'm, I'm sitting in my office or you know at home in the evening on my iPad. Bling, somebody pops in with a question, and like I said, I mean they could be ready now. They, uh, heaven forbid that they're coming tomorrow because I've got this other couple coming tomorrow. But sometimes <laughs> I get that too. You know, hey, we're coming tomorrow. Can yeah. you help us? Uh, how about Friday? Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. A little bit of notice, but I actually have people booked in my planner from, you know, till the end of this year. So, so okay. Um, well, well, let me, let me, let me ask you this then. So, so in our podcast, so we have a Facebook group. It's small. It, you know, we, we intentionally, we're, we're, we're hidden. You have to kind of find us. And, right. and, and you know what? We might just, uh, you know, convince you to join our Facebook group. If someone's got any questions for you, it's Edcot, E-D-C-O-T. And these are like 350 of my best friends. And, you know, they're, they're people that have found us. We're listeners in the thousands. But this group is unique. So, but if you didn't join that, Suzanne, and people still want to find you suzanne swires s w y e r s is that correct mm-hmm. yeah it's s-u-z-a-n-n-e s-w-y-e-r-s okay from berkshire hathaway results mm-hmm. realty stacy yeah. you i got myself in big announcer guy mode today <laughs> what didn't i ask that you are that, that you that you thought of and, and you wanted to ask you asked 
everything I thought of. Okay. 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 I apologize. And way more. I apologize. You know what? No, you're amazing. No. It was great. When I when I graduated college, my first job out of college was selling real estate and I enjoyed it, but Chicago's market at the time was a changing market. So mm-hmm. um, it wasn't but a few years as a newly married person, I said, okay, I need insurance. I need to get this paycheck to be regulated. So, um, but, you know, I left from that point forward. But, um, anyways, Suzanne, I really appreciate you taking the time and spending some time with sure. us today. Thank you. It's been yeah, fun. thank you I so much. It. I enjoy it. Obviously, I love talking about real estate. I have a passion for helping families, anybody who needs any kind of help or information, I'm more than happy to help. Like I said, not pushy. I, I do very well without without having to like twist anybody's arm to buy a house for me. So outstanding. I appreciate all the opportunities that I get. Okay. So for Stacy and for myself and for Suzanne, we'd like to thank you for downloading and listening today. And again, if you want to find our listener Facebook group, it's Edcot E D C O T. And uh, Stacy, where else can they find us? What other social media handles we got? You can go to the WW Review on Facebook as well. And we are also on Twitter and Instagram. Outstanding. So for the three of us, again, thank you and have a great day. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.